Are you happy? Are you deep down satisfied with the person you are, how you're living your life, and the future as it appears today? Do you have a passion? Is there any one thing in your life that is so important that it makes prioritizing everything else simple? If the answer to any of those questions is no, do you have any idea why? Welcome to the Vera Moore Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Keegan, co-founder of the dating app Veramore and the nonprofit app Hero Harbor. Happiness, mine and that of others, is something that's always been very important to me. I've devoted my life to understanding how we take the things life throws at us and combine that with our own special gifts to come away with an experience that, while not always perfect, is one we are proud of and allows us the fewest regrets and least amount of heartache. Whether through my personal musings or conversations with guests, the aim here is not to find a one-size-fits-all to-do list of change, but instead a mindset that lessens our fear, reduces judgment of ourselves and others, and frees each individual to build the life that truly represents happiness for them. We are here today with Katie McKenna, author of How to Get Run Over by a Truck. Katie and I have known each other for about a year or so, although to say known, it's, it's been way more of a, a social, uh, you know, just connect. But she was on my podcast, uh, my old podcast about a year ago after I'd listened to her book. Highly recommend getting her book, listening to it on audio if you can, because she records her own and it is just fantastic. With that, to start, Katie, welcome. Thank you for being here. It is so exciting to have you back on the show. Oh, Don, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. We started this in complete honesty. We're going to talk a lot about honesty here. We started this about 15 minutes ago and I wasn't recording. So we're starting over. But <laughs> we were when we were not recording, I was saying that Katie is absolutely one of my favorite people and I couldn't wait to get, to talk to her because she just embodies everything that that I love and she's just a happy sunny person she genuinely makes this world a better place and why I wanted to share her with you again is to show you that you can go through horrific things and come out with a way better life than you ever imagined so Katie if you don't mind tell us about your book and go back a little about you know what was going on at that point absolutely well um it, the title of the book is How to Get Run Over by a Truck, and I will tell you all that it is not just the cleverest title you've ever heard. Um, I was run over by an 18-wheel truck while riding my bicycle in 2007. The book itself um, was published in 2016, in October of 2016, and the book chronicles what my experience was of the process of first having this huge traumatic event happen. Um, where my entire body was run over by eight wheels of an 18-wheeler. And all of my ribs were crushed. My pelvis was fractured in five places. And I suffered severe internal injuries. I was conscious during the entire event. And while I was getting rushed into the hospital, the emergency room, I asked the emergency room doctor if she thought that I was going to live. And she told me probably not. Um, this was the first of many experiences where I was being told by people outside of my world, you know, the people who I thought were the professionals who knew more than I did, that my life was not going to look anything like I thought that it would. 
later on in my experience, I was told I would never walk again and then told that I would never be able to have children. I was told that I would never live a normal life. And what my experience that I write mostly about is how with the love and support of family and friends and a lot of grit, um, a lot of goal setting and, and a lot of humor, honestly, I was able to take this broken life and try my best to take these pieces and put them back together in order to make a more beautiful one. What I'm both I love about your story and what disturbs me about, um, you know, what that doctor said, a, a great number of the experiences you had at that first hospital. And the thing is, you chose that hospital because you said, I want to go to the best place, your best trauma center available. And so they sent you to this place that is supposed to be. And so from a medical standpoint, they were they should have been the very best caregivers for you, if, if I'm remembering the story. correct. Yes, yes. However, from a mental standpoint, I mean, they could have. I mean, it could have ended for you right there. Had you not been a stronger person, you know, you could have heard that and said, "Okay, it's over. There's no re- there's no point in me fighting." I'm hoping that you'll you'll sort of help us to understand your communication history up to that point and what made you able to overcome rather than take the advice of what you you know as you said you thought were the experts in and own what they said. You looked at it from your own point of view and, and made your own um, determinations and overcame that. So, um, so tell us, tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, And it's such a great question. So I was raised in a household where communication and, and words really mattered. Um, I'm very lucky in that I have two amazing brothers, one phenomenal sister and incredible parents. And um, we were told very early on that, that words do matter. And that um, anytime that we came into our house, we had to understand that, that this was a safe place for all six of us, that we had to feel protected and cared for, and that we had to take care of each other and, and use our words carefully. That I've realized as I've gotten older and in my experience when I was in the hospital, that isn't true for everyone. I was also raised to have a really strong sense of self and to not believe absolutely everything that other people told me until, until I was absolutely sure of it. The idea being like similarly to what the doctor told me, in my mind, I really did see that as a challenge. And I was like, I am not going to die. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for myself. Then when the doctor told me that I was never going to walk again, I was like, well, we'll see. You know, what, what, do we, what do I have to lose by taking that no and turning it into a yes? And in regards to the other pieces, like that I was never going to live a normal life. And and I will tell you that in that case, I do think that the doctor is right because my life is nothing even close to normal. It's extraordinary. And that's, that's been kind really of the, I love it's, that. Been, it's been the yeah. most, it's been the greatest blessing of my life is to have made no my favorite word where it's like, what no means is that you suddenly are in a position where you have nothing left to lose. Nobody expects anything from you. So anything bigger than zero is a win. I love that. I have said, don't bet against someone who has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And this is this the other thing, and this applies to us both. Do not bet against someone whose passion is the service of others, because you have now taken what happened to you and turned that into passion in service of others. Somebody with those things going for them, they're unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. I totally agree with you. I love that. I think that's a perfect, that's very, very true because you're not doing it for you. It's that if you're thinking about my every day, my mission is to serve others, to take my experience in order to make their lives better. 
that's my whole goal. My whole mission is the only reason why I'm alive in my own mind is to make every person that I interact with, to make their lives a little bit better, whether that be with a compliment, with a smile, with kindness, with insight, with compassion, or whether that be through coaching or giving a motivational talk or through them reading my book. All that I want is for their lives to be better for having me in it, or else there's no reason for me to be alive. I, oh, again, I am sending you this giant virtual hug. Katie, I assume, <laughs> is at home uh, in, in New York. I am down almost as south as you can get in Georgia, but this is it. What she says is to help improve the lives of others, help them be happier. You and I, we don't need, we are happy. We have, yes, our lives may not be perfect. We may not be filthy rich or any of the things that many people find important, but we are incredibly happy. So we don't have to do this, but we do this because we want other people to be happy because if they're happy and they get up in the morning and they're excited, if all they do is use that happiness to make someone smile, to compliment, to give a hug, that improves the world. And, and we all progress faster when we're on the same mission of giving back our gifts. This is one of the reasons I was, when it, one of the things you talk about very candidly in your book is that you were a, a I think as you refer to it, sort of a serial long-term relationship person. I mean, you, it wasn't like you flitted from one to another. They were, you know, five years or more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yet you were sort of a, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It was, you know, it just never culminated in something. Yeah. And that's changed, correct? Yes, it is. I, I will say that I, I think that I might be hanging up my, my bridesmaiding, you know, bouquet. I've been a bridesmaid 16 times. Oh my. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's been amazing. It's been a real, a real ride. Um, and I, yes, I did just get engaged this past February to the love of my life. So I'm very excited. I want to, so compare and contrast 2007 to mm -hmm. a little over what, okay. Now 11 years, you literally, very literally the worst day of your life. True. True. To now have all these things going. And I want you to talk about the coaching and that sort of thing, but you have, a life that you could never have imagined. And because you didn't give up on that day. So talk about how, what went through your mind? Um, your fiance's name. His name is Patrick. Patrick. I thought so, but I didn't want to mess that up. So <laughs> no, you're uh, perfect. You're perfect. So when, so tell me what went through your mind when, when, when he proposed and, 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 and didn't, if I remember the pictures, he proposed on the bridge, right? He did. Yes. He, he proposed in the middle of the Williamsburg Bridge, which is actually coincidentally the picture that's on the front cover of my book. No, that's no coincidence. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Not coincidence. Yes. He made a plan. He made a plan. He was right, very yes. good. He got um, Yeah. And when he proposed, that's what he said was that um, the first time that I crossed the Williamsburg Bridge walking after my accident was a really big moment for me because I remembered that I, that I was a person who could be a part of the world again. And, um, that was actually the day that I took and Patrick, what Patrick was saying was like, he's like, you know, the, the day that you walked over this bridge, your life transitioned from being old Katie to new Katie. And then when you, when this book came out, you know, that picture that you took that day was this book that's transitioned you from this life of being, you know, a non person who works in nonprofit, a development director to being a person who now has committed their life to being a speaker and a writer and a coach. And he's like, and I, I'm, 
I'm proposing to you now, you know, in the middle of this bridge in hopes that we can transition from your life of just you to a life of us together, which was just beautiful. I cannot stop smiling. <laughs> Holy crap. That's like, you know, you did such a good job. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like such fairy tale, you know? And, know. you know, and, and we are, we're happy and smiling, laughing, but I, the one thing I want to go back and I want people to really, really embrace and why I str- so strongly encourage you to, to get Katie's book and especially to listen to it is because you hear how happy she is and how empowered and amazing she is, but it wasn't like that. And we can all do that. We can all make that choice to take whatever the worst that has happened to us and build something fabulous from it. So, so tell us about, tell us about your coaching. Tell us about, tell us about all the things that have been going on in that interim. Absolutely. And, and, and even to circle back to your question before, because I know that I didn't fully answer it, was I, I do remember on that day, on October 2nd, 2007, of after when I thought I was dying and of the time of my being in the hospital and when I thought I was dying and, and like realizing that I would never, you know, have been married or have been engaged. And I, I felt like my life had been cut so short. And then when I was in the hospital, when I thought that I was going to be paralyzed, I was so terrified about the fact that maybe I wouldn't find love or, or that my life would be too messy for anyone to ever love me uh, in a real way. And, and even in the moment after my fiance proposed, I had this, you know, if we're going to be totally honest, this terrified feeling of, Oh no, my life is too good. You know, it's going to get, it's going to get shattered again. There is no one, no one deserves this much happiness. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, and, and that's, that's the reality of, of what a trauma does is that it, it drives you, it, it can drive you, but it can also slow you down and scare you and make everything, your cognizance of how tenuous and how fragile our lives are comes into focus. And, a, a, you know, that, that idea of foreboding joy, that mm-hmm. that's something that does exist too. And, and I think it happens to all of us, but it, it, it can be heightened after a trauma. That's so, yeah, that is so absolutely amazing his cremains in a box and it says shared hearts and I can't even talk about him without crying. But, but because um, that's a really good point is, you know, we all strive to be happy theoretically and you, you know, but they're really truly sometimes in our heads too much of a good thing. It's when you've been through that kind of loss and then you have that kind of happiness before you didn't have it. So you'd kind of resigned yourself to that. I mean, I don't know. I don't mean that in a, that you'd given up, but you, it was, it was comfortable and familiar at any rate, whether you liked it or not, it was familiar, but now you have something that's so much better and losing that, that would be way worse than losing what I had before. Absolutely. That's exactly right. It's that I, that, that now I know what it is enough to miss it. And that's the beauty part of almost losing your life. That's, that's the beauty part of it is like, is that you're cognizant of the fact that nothing is promised to you, which is beautiful, but also very, very hard. Nothing is promised, so it forces you to enjoy it, but nothing is promised, so you're you're conscious that it that it could leave you. In your coaching and such, what is your advice to people? How do you and so the types of people who come to you for help, how how do they find you for one? And what sort of, and what sort of things, you know, do find them searching for? What is some of your advice to them? You know, I, I'm guessing it, it, it crosses, you know, like a number of, of, you know, extreme boundaries and such, but so talk to us a little bit about your clients and, and, you know, in a general sense and, and, you know, how you, 
you know, how you get them from whatever they're at and, you know, to, to a new place. Sure. So the, the place where you can find me, um, is on my website. It's www.katiecmckenna.com. And the people who I coach, it really does run the gamut, but generally it's people who are looking to achieve a very specific goal that they want something. There's something that is missing in their life that they want to attain and that they know that they can't do it by themselves. Potentially they've tried to do it on their own and, and just have not been successful. And the way in which I work with my clients is by taking their goal and breaking it down into small bites and little victories. And the idea being that everything is attainable if we try to take it slowly. We don't put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect immediately and that we work together to strive to, to get to that place. And then we celebrate so hard when we are able to achieve those small goals. Um, the ways in which I work with people is to be an accountability partner to be someone who tries to figure out what those blocks are. You know, what is it that's stopping you from achieving your dream or achieving your goal? And then for us to work together to break those blocks down. Um, and it's so much easier to, to see things clearly when you've got somebody else who's got a, a set of eyes who can also really see what, what's actually happening. And what I love that I'm able to bring to the table is that my clients all know that I'm not just talking the talk. I'm walking the walk. I know what it's like to feel helpless and hopeless and to feel like there's no way out of this challenging situation. And that I know the ways in which we can work together in order to get you there. Um, and that's what's been so exciting. I've been working with people who are looking for a new career, people who are looking to write a book. Maybe if it's someone who's just trying to reacquaint themselves with joy, trying to, to get through certain cycles of school or of people who are just looking to build a, a better life and, and they're not sure what that looks like yet, but we can do that together and figure out what it is that's lacking and, and how to get there together. You made several just really, really important points and, and that I want to go back and touch on a little. First of all, you talked about how you grew up in a family where safe communication was not just important, but paramount and 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 expected and I, I love so much that you say that because and and this the important part is that we have we need that safety we need to know that whatever okay i'm going to give you an example so i i have a young lady i met recently who is spouse of a a, of a military and an air force gentleman here in in the area and she has agreed to sign on and, and do some logo creation for me, some things like that. Now, I am a, I am overwhelming. When I get something in my head, I just get excited and, and emails and texts and things just go flying everywhere. And I can be intensely overpowering. But she emailed me and she said, you know, I love your passion. I need to set some boundaries. Mm -hmm. and, so, and, and, and she laid out, you know, what worked and what didn't work. And of course, my first reaction when I got it was, ah, you know, mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. because I mean, we, we always go the emotional first, always. But I, I know this young lady and I knew that her, her intent was the best. And I also know myself well enough to know that. And I love that she did that. And so after, you know, stepping back and taking a breath, I wrote her back and I said, thank you. But the point is, we, we need to have that ability to be honest, mm -hmm. again, that creating that environment is the first step to all of the other relationship aspects 
if you trust that this person cares about me enough, it is, and, and even if it comes across wrong, as, as you said, and you said earlier in the part that we weren't recording, you, you said that, you know, if there's misunderstanding or, you know, you felt comfortable. So go back and repeat what you said to us about your, your siblings or your, your conversation with family. Very much. We're, we're very much in a, in a, and like a trust tree sort of, of where if, if somebody hurts someone's feelings or says something that, that really doesn't jive with us. Um, I, something happened with my sister where she was like, I feel like you are, you're not, you're not really paying enough attention to me. And I feel like that that's really hurting my feelings. And she and I got on the phone and I was like, okay, well, here's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I need to apologize to you because that was not my intention. I never meant to hurt your feelings and I need to change. And I'm really sorry. And that that's the way in which like I could, I could explain the reason and then know that I'd hurt the feelings and that that was never my intention. And then we're able to kind of have like, so that no resentment grows, no anger builds and that we're able to have an open and honest relationship, which allows, even though she lives in Austin, Texas, you know, she's one of my closest friends, which is what makes it such a beautiful thing. Um, Mm -hmm. We've always really valued that as a family because, you know, also we're really conscious that like we can lose each other in an instant and we know Mm -hmm. that better than most people. And the idea that something can go unspoken and someone would die would just be absolutely awful. Just probably one of the biggest challenges we have in our relationships is that fear of fear of, of being honest, fear of how it will be received. And it's something that we have to start from the very beginning. I, I can't help it. I just, I throw the crazy out there. As I say, I don't, I don't try to sugarcoat anything. I mean, I want, I want you to know that what I say is gospel and it's, it's all done with love because if you don't have that, if you're constantly questioning, you know, how do I say this? What do I say? How much do I share? It's a, it's too much stress for you. And it's just, there's no way that you can move forward with your life in, in, in that sort of limited um, communication pattern. Speak a little more to how you get people to be honest with themselves. And because, I mean, for you to, to move forward, you have to really know who you are. Um, so how do you help people with that and with um, being transparent in their own lives? Well, yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing is that you need to come into it with what I try to tell clients is that the only way that this is going to be successful is if you are completely vulnerable and open, because if not, then it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of your money. Um, what I try to do is to create a space where I'm open, I am vulnerable and I'm really honest so that, so they know that this is number one, a safe space. And number two, I'm, I'm a person who has also had challenges and had struggles before and usually that's a part of the agreement that that I have my clients and I sign, like that we both sign it of being like, mm-hmm. we're going to be open and honest. And I'm going to probably ask you some tough questions and I'm going to need you to answer honestly, because this is, this is growth mm-hmm. and growth, like anything else, any other time that we grow in our lives, it hurts. But in order for us to move forward and to create a better life, we have to, we have to grow. And the only way that we grow is by asking ourselves tough questions of being honest and of moving it forward. And and I try my best to also be a good listener and to affirm everything that my client is saying so that, that they know that like, that they can be open and honest and to be able to move forward. Cause I'm going to be there for them every step of the way. But you, when, in what you said, you brought back to mind what it was. So you mentioned earlier that you said, because you had been through it and 
I was actually listening to a podcast um, a day or so ago, and 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 one of the and the woman who was speaking, she's going to be on my show in December. But she had said that very thing. She was struggling. She was in college and she was struggling with something in her life. And her parents were sending her to preachers and they were sending her to therapists and they were sending her to all these people. And the one recurring theme that kept these people have not been there. How can they possibly help me? You know, that certificate on the wall means nothing if you haven't done it. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was a personal trainer, at one point I was nearly 300 pounds after having been healthy. So when I say, I know what it takes um, to do this, I can show you the picture. She said the same thing that you said, that depth of empathy that allows you to connect. You cannot make that real connection, or at least for most people, they have to know, they have to feel it. And and I know your clients feel it from you. Um, So yeah, that's what it was. That is that idea of you've been there, which allows you to, and, and to be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that being able to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk and yes. to empathize and to say, you know, I know that this is hard. It's unfortunately, it's supposed to be hard. If it was easy, everybody would do it, Yes, but it's hard. Yes. And, and that's why I'm here is so that you don't have to do it alone. So what does the future hold now for Katie McKenna? Um, as of right now, I'm I'm hopeful that it's it's full of a lot of happiness. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm I've been really enjoying. I've been giving about 50 talks a year, um, doing motivational talks across the country. Um, and I've been working with, um, I've worked with about 80 coaching clients so far, which has been really exciting. But I'm I'm looking for new ones. If anybody is looking for a a life coach, I'd be delighted to work with you. And, um, and also just continuing to, to just write probably too. I think that there's, there's another book in me, I think I'm not sure what it is yet, but I'm, I'm hopeful about it. There is no doubt in my mind. Once you've got that bug, once you, once you realize that you can do it, that it's, and, and, and again, as I said, Katie is a very talented writer and that's, that is, that is strong praise. I must say Many people think they're good writers, but it turn or good singers or good lots of things, and it turns out to not be the case. Um, but Katie really is a very talented writer, a very talented storyteller. Oh, okay. So now, have you guys set a date? Have you and Patrick set a date? We have. Yes, we're getting married in June um, in Manchester, Vermont. So we're very excited. Are you going to keep your name, or are you going to? Oh gosh, good question. I I think. I mean, truth be told. I feel like I've worked really hard for everything that Katie McKenna has ap- yes. accomplished. Katie Conlin has a really nice ring to it, but um, I think that probably I will keep my name professionally. And then, you know, if we have children, then I can be right. Mrs. Conlin. But yeah, I, I feel like I've worked really hard for this name. <laughs> you are just, you, you absolutely so amazing. And, and, and just, so the last thing I want to, uh, you said just a second ago about um, happiness. And the reason I say I have no doubt is because you get back you, what you put out and, you know, and, and this is something um, I've said to you know numerous times recently is that, you know, we talk about luck and we talk about, you know, whatever. Yes, there is certainly a, an element of luck to certain you know aspects of our life. However, people, you put out happiness, you put out smiles and hugs and compliments and just joy wherever you go. And people respond to that. If we go around just kicking the curb and, and being grumpy and just, you know, not road rage and all those things, you cannot possibly expect the world to respond to that well. And, you know, and the other thing too, that you and I have said about complimenting is there's no downside to it. 
when I make you mm -hmm. smile, it makes me feel good. So there's no downside mm -hmm. to just going out and making the world a better place. So you, I have zero doubt that there will be much joy in your life because that's what you put out there and, and, and it's what you expect out of life and you get back from life what you put into it and what you expect from it. So um, I, I can't wait to see the next book. And maybe at some point we had talked about uh, collaborating and doing some stuff before, but you, you have gotten crazy busy and I'm working on getting that way. So it, we will cross, continue to cross paths, but I am so proud of you. So happy and excited. And that whole, the engagement thing, I saw that I, I probably cried. I just remember seeing oh. the pictures and I was just, cause I knew I, you know, again, with the book, I knew what you'd been through. So, um, please you know, give Patrick a hug for us. Tell, you know, let us, let him know for, for us that how thankful we are that he's in your life, that, that, that he has you and you have him and your family. And uh, tell us again, I know, cause I know you're on um, several of the social channels. Cause so you mentioned the website, but uh, tell us how to find you on, on, on some of your social channels. On Instagram, I am Katie C. McKenna on Twitter. I'm Katie C. McKenna. And on, um, on Facebook, I'm just Katie McKenna. And then there is, uh, there is also a how to get run over by a truck Facebook page. If, if you'd like to like that. And I, I keep that pretty well updated, which is good. Awesome. Well, it was again, it, always, um, a pleasure to talk to you. I, I get goosebumps with all of your, just, it, just proof that you can, you can take you with the right spirit, you can take anything and turn it into something fabulous. So uh, thank you, Katie. And you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too, Don. This was such a joy. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for spending this time with us. If you enjoyed the content we shared with you, please subscribe, review, and share the show with your friends. Veramore is available in both app stores and Hero Harbor will also be soon. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Veramore, Veramore underscore app, or Hero Harbor.